welcome to the Enterprise Design Podcast brought to you by VMware Design. I am Laurel Byers and I am here with our uh, co-host Tushar Roy and we also have Colin Miller on our podcast today as our guest. Woo, welcome Colin. Hi you guys. <laughs> How you doing? How was your week? Yeah, it's uh oh it's been crazy as usual, you know, lots of stuff going on. Um Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well you're uh, so I've never <laughs> met you before like until today. I know, it's funny. We we work in this huge company and we work in the same discipline, but uh, our paths haven't crossed. Yeah. So I know you're in, in the design system side. Um, maybe you can explain a little bit about um, what you do at VMware, just so I can even learn, but the audience do. Yeah. Um, so uh, VMware has a homegrown design system called Clarity. Uh, it's uh, open source, so it's available to anyone out there who wants to use it. And I'm the design manager. So I, I started about four years ago as the lead designer and worked with a team that was largely developers only. We we're very short on, on people with regard to design, which is, you know, common, especially in enterprise. And um, the team has grown and I've gotten promoted to be the manager of the design team. So now I've got several folks that work for me. And uh, yeah, we own the design system. It's... Uh, it's a lot of facets, but we work uh, on the design side with the development team who builds the design system. I'm so excited to finally having met you, Colin. And, and you're right, it's such a large organization that we have never met face-to-face -face until now. But though I remember, we have exchanged some emails in the last few years. You know, your podcast is about enterprise design. And I think what we're talking about is the fact that we work in this big company and you know, our paths don't cross is very indicative of some of the challenges you face in the world of, of enterprise. You know, you work in uh, you know consumer companies and you, you tend to be much more interactively connected with your, your end users. And so the design system team and the product team are often going to be a lot more closely connected. And I know the frustrations you guys may often feel with being uh, somewhat uh, isolated from your users uh, is, is similar to the challenges that the design system team feels uh, being isolated from uh, product design. It's just, it's a far more technical space and there's a lot less of that kind of traditional UX work of, um, you know, really being finger on the pulse of the user, which of course we always want to do. It's just such more, so much more difficult with uh, enterprise. Have you guys been looking at what problems product teams are facing with Clarity and then do you look at each item and then create your prioritized backlog to work on? Yes, this is what we do, um, but we really have to, we have to depend on the, the designers to uh, know their users and it's often this is often a challenge because the designers hear the pain points of users through product managers and through sales is much more common in enterprise than, you know, being directly connected with users. But uh, yes, all the feature requests and component requests and uh, all of that stuff is based on listening to what the product teams need, but it really is a changing landscape because uh, one product team will need something very, uh, in a very pressing way and we'll be very you know, kind of closely engaged with them. And once that's taken care of, we may not hear from them for a while because there's just so many product teams. We can't be connected with all of them on, on every issue. So it's really, really a changing landscape of a case-by-case -case situation. 
It's interesting because you have like different levels. I mean, this happens with like our product teams too, but I can imagine with building and maintaining a design system, not only is it the end users who are experiencing that design system in the UI that like teams like mine and Tashar's might be using, um, but you also are accommodating us, the designers using that design system and the engineers using that design system as well. So it's like tiered users and personas, right? Yeah, exactly. So we have actually a pretty uh, complex sort of uh, tiered is the perfect word sense of personas because uh, for us, users are product designers and developers in, in our company who are building applications. And so if you look at the primary clarity personas, they're not the end users of the applications, but they're product designers and developers uh, building products for VMware. Yeah, I notice that there are two aspects to this design system. One is that when you build it, you use your design philosophy to come up with a unified design system for the company as a, as a brand or as how we interact with our consumers and the hands-on users. But once it's done, from what I heard from you, Colin, that now your users are the developers and the designers who are trying to use Clarity to do product design. Yes, that is very much correct. And in an ideal world, we would know much more about the use cases in the applications. And it's, it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of overhead for a design system, especially in a company like VMware, where the applications are you know, quite complex for us to actually get into the user stories and um, understand kind of the, the value proposition of these applications at uh, beyond a, a very high level. So you're correct. Our users are very much um, the just the product teams. And <laughs> I want to take a step back because I, I know obviously yeah. we're all passionate about design systems. We're using it literally every day in our, in our processes and product development. Um, but thinking about the audience, because it might be a lot of people who are in cross-functional teams um, or maybe new to design, right, entering the field, they probably want to know a little bit more about what all a design system is. So maybe, Colin, you can explain a little bit um, in layman's terms what a design system is. Sure. Um, so in, I think, the most direct way to look at a design system is it's a, a design system team creates the building blocks whereby a product team can build an application. A metaphor people often talk about is Legos. So if you look at uh, you know any application you use, whether it's you know Twitter or Facebook or you know it's something where you're you're buying clothes, um, you've got a, a fairly standard set of components. You've got buttons, you've got drop downs, you've got uh, tabs and, and and things like that, form elements. And so at, at the most simple level, what a design system does is it builds all those things for product teams so that they can build applications without having to sort of you know, build the, the primary elements, the primitives, if you will, from which the application is built. And the real benefit of that is what we really want to do as designers is we want to look at uh, solving for use cases for our users. We don't want to be asking what color is a button or what is the border radius on a button. We want to say, 
what is the way I'm going to be able to fill the user's needs in the best way. So the design system gives a, a sort of a toolkit for building an application and lets the designer focus more on the user's needs. Fantastic. Yeah. And it helps, it helps like support. I'm just thinking about like when trying to increase the des design maturity of an organization and it, and this becomes very challenging in enterprise and like very engineering driven organizations. Um, it, it actually helps support like someone like me as a manager trying to be like, yes, that's, that's actually kind of, because we have this design system, that's kind of the easy part. And if we're going to be strategic with our time and efforts, like this allows us to have more time and priority on validating our assumptions of this, is this even the right thing to build? Um, cause y'all provide those components for us to when we, we get to that point of knowing what to build. Um, so I've, that's why I always appreciate and very much appreciate the systems thinking of, of, of clarity and just the way that that has helped um, enable um, so many teams here at VMware. Well, I'm so glad to hear that because that is, you know, one of the primary benefits. So if that, if it's doing that for you guys and you're able to spend more time on use cases, that's, that's great. Uh, so the one aspect which you said is that, oh, these are like Lego blocks, which allows us infinite ways to create what we're doing. And then Laurel touched upon how we can focus on product design itself as opposed to those visual elements. The other thing that I truly believe that it helps, especially in enterprise, is that when we work in silos amongst different teams, we end up having that same language, the same structure. This allows us to then seamlessly work with each other when we unify stuff around. Yes, exactly. I mean, you're kind of uh, shining a light on what is the kind of the second primary benefit of design systems. And in fact, your story about, you know, saying you're, we were a bad designer and not good visually and design systems, uh, you know, gave you a way to get back into it is um, one of the huge benefits of design systems is this visual consistency. You don't have to ask this question, well, what is this other product doing? So in not only just having the building blocks, but knowing that the building blocks are consistent from one application to the next is a huge benefit for product teams. And what we see often happens in enterprises, a really common situation, is you've got a customer that's using one product, and then they're using another product. And pretty soon, they start to talk to you about why are my... Uh, why is my interaction design, why is my experience different from product to product? I want to use the two of them more as a suite. I want a continuous experience there. And when you're basing those products on a design system, it's a lot easier for the teams to collaborate and create that consistency and eventually merge the user journey across multiple products. And if each of those products is built kind of independently from the ground up, that is much harder challenge. So it's, a, it's another benefit that a, a big organization can get from a design system. There's also the challenge though, of like, you know, to the, to the analogy of Lego blocks, like how I use those Lego blocks versus how Tashar might use those Lego blocks can actually create a very different looking thing, even though they have like the same uh, micro elements to them. Um, and I know that's a challenge of any design system um, how how is, has the Clarity team been um, trying to combat that and making sure that the larger items that we build 
uh, not just like the, you know, the atoms um, of, of it are, are cons- being consistent as well. That's, uh, um, it kind of gets back to that question of, you know, what is a design system? And, you know, a good mature design system does include that. We often refer to that kind of thing as patterns. And we say, okay, well, if you're going to put a bunch of form elements together and you're going to have uh, several buttons and this is going to go in a, a modal and it's going to be for somebody to create a new account, now you're starting to say the Legos are building a uh, a larger experience, which is a pattern, which is this new account pattern. And um, so ultimately a design system in a, a, a sort of a more mature incarnation is uh, informing teams how to build these patterns in consistent ways. So like we were talking about before, these cross product use cases, uh, if I need to uh, create a new object in one application and then I go to another application and I need to do a similar create a new object that the the pattern is is similar so ideally a, a design system documents best practices in terms of these patterns and gives examples and some do's and don'ts and lots of you know the thinking behind uh, how you've you reached this guidance in order to do that you can't do it in the abstract. You can't sort of say, let's start doing research in creating new object. We have to say, let's look at what all of the product teams are doing because they've solved this problem already for their product and attempt to create a sort of consensus-based approach to patterns where you can publish something that's not so much guidance in a prescriptive way from the design system, but it's more of an understanding of the best practices within this organization in terms of solving what looks like a fairly consistent use case across numerous products. So to answer your question about what Clarity is doing about that is uh, it's a, a very large task and we have had several pattern programs where we've worked on solving for patterns, and it continues to be something that we work with um, at VMware. We published a couple of these patterns, and uh, it's it's not nearly enough. It's It takes a lot of people to uh, and a lot of cross-team collaboration to really get to the bottom of well, what is the pattern for onboarding. And at VMware, we do these very complex things with the, you know, virtual machines and clusters and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, so our users are saying, well, I need a consistent pattern for, for doing these, you know, administrative tasks with these, you know, fairly complex problems. So um, to, to answer what Clarity is doing with that is like, we're continuing to, to face the, the challenge of providing consistent patterns in very complex use cases. Do you think Clarity is any different from from the way it approaches these problems, different from how a Google material or an Apple human interface library does, or even Airbnb design system? Well, the Clarity design system's got an interesting history because if we look back to the beginning of Clarity, we had a, a, a very important product at VMware that was on uh, technology that was end of life. And so it really needed to migrate to a current uh, web application technology 
to simply continue moving forward. And so initially Clarity was built as a very technical perspective, a component library. When we talk about the Legos, it wasn't so much, let's make a color scheme for Legos or let's make a a pattern for different sizes of Legos. Let's simply build the Legos this application needs so that it can get onto a current web framework. So uh, this is, I think, something that's very unique about Clarity is it's very development-driven in terms of offering a component library versus some of the other aspects of design system. Like we just talked about patterns. There's things like design language, which are, you know, how do you handle topography? How do you make decisions about topography? Uh, How do you handle spacing? Uh, You know, what do you do with... uh, you know, voice and tone and copywriting and all these are parts of design systems. I think what's unique about Clarity is Clarity is very much the components themselves that allows uh, product teams to just go directly into building an application. Would you say it's it's there's a, a difference between how Clarity is shaped because of the enterprise space versus like potentially design systems for a consumer oriented products or does it not really make a difference? You know, um, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure what the answer is. I think that it, it is different. And I think it's largely because, you know, back to the conversation we had about the, the users for Clarity being VMware developers and designers. Mm-hmm. And so I think the design system is very much predicated on this concept that we need uh, something sort of actionable for VMware developers to say, I'm building this action, uh, this application, I need these things to build it. And it's very much focused on that for that reason. Whereas, uh, you know, in a, a consumer space, although our users are still going to be developers and designers, we're a lot closer to the actual customer. And that's going to move the design system in a different way. You know, it's a sort of way, particularly the way startups work, where uh, products are evolving very quickly in terms of uh, user feedback. Mm-hmm. I, I think about even like the components themselves at a, I guess, at the patterns level, right? Um, the ones with enterprise might be more geared towards like data visualizations or data grids or form elements, right? Whereas in maybe like a consumer product where it's maybe marketing oriented or something. It's about like the card style and, uh, oh man, I'm trying to think of other examples. I don't know. <laughs> Just like they have a lot of different elements, right? It's a lot of marketing stuff sometimes. Yes, a- Absolutely. I mean, the, uh, enterprise systems are very strongly based on these more technical structures. Uh, you know, data grids are probably the most important thing. And then we have forms and form elements and often, very complex forms that end up becoming more of a multi-step workflow from a pattern perspective. And um, and then trees also. There's a lot of sort of hierarchical relationships mm-hmm. that uh, enterprise customers uh, work with. And often our needs are, in fact, all three of those together, which is an incredibly difficult problem to solve, not only for design, but for accessibility, I mean, the number of times a product says, well, I need to put a tree in a data grid. And we say, well, I understand exactly why you need to do that. Your use case makes sense. 
However, to do that from a design and accessibility perspective is extremely difficult. So that's sort of where the component requirements for enterprise differ from you know, consumers. Consumers are much more, um, you know, f find uh, you know, f find and, and purchase a product or, or, you know, participate in some sort of, uh, you know, creating a record like in a, 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 you know, social networking type of, you know, create, edit, delete kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, very visually oriented, you know, cards with pictures and, and carousels and, and things like that. So we're in this very different, difficult space where uh, it's these complex use cases with regard to hierarchical relationships like trees and, and uh, lots of data in grids. Every time you say tree, I'm thinking of a real tree and I'm like, that's not right, Laurel. Get your brain back in the game. <laughs> <laughs> So one thing that's clear is that while in a startup or in a consumer world, you would look at speed or speed of development or even before that brand. In enterprise, we're talking about consistency across cross-functional teams and handling the complexity which comes with scale, right? Absolutely. And there's a real interesting difference in that respect between your your user and in the enterprise and in the consumer that affects design quite a lot because as designers we often are, are trying to do the best job we can with negative space and visual hierarchy and if you think about uh, consumer applications they're very much meant to be um, extremely clear and easy to parse in terms of things like that in terms of the information hierarchy and the use of negative space. And a lot of that's because a consumer application is not something you spend eight hours a day on, you know, 40 hours a week. And what you find if you come to enterprise applications with that sensibility, that uh, your users, your end users rebel. They say, all this white space is wasted space. All of this big typography is, I don't need this big typography. What I need is more data squeezed into the screen and so your entire visual sensibility gets changed and it's because these people are relative to uh, consumer users they're really power users you know imagine if somebody was on twitter 40 hours a week and they said i just want everything to be more compact and and easier to get to um you know i need uh you know keyboard i i use twitter only with a keyboard and um this is the kind of thing you have with the enterprise user. They want everything very compact and all of the sort of subtleties of information hierarchy and white space are really negatives to them. So it really changes your design sensibilities. And uh, the, there's a lot of cases in Clarity where we build uh, compact versions, uh, compact modes for things because uh, that uh, tighter spacing is, is really preferred by these power users. So what I hear is that design systems fundamentally can also help designers stick to these design uh, language that enterprise needs, serves as a guarding, guarding rails. Is that is that right? Carl? Yes, I, I think so. And ideally, you know, back to the point we were talking about the sort of different uh, facets of a design system that that design language facet that you're talking about is a really 
a great thing that an enterprise design system can do for the designers in a company, you know, provided the people who are building the design system understand these things about the users to actually create more compact experiences by, you know, guidance with regard to type sizes, type hierarchy, spacing, uh, you know, even row heights and things like data grids. Uh, those are all things that are going to be very much appreciated by the end user that are somewhat intangible in the research kind of end. Uh, the user is going to just sort of say something fairly broad in general, like, uh, why is this, why is there so much white space? It all feels wasted. And what they're, they're really saying is it's, uh, you know, kind of clicks are currency and the, the amount of, of, uh, mouse travel, you know, what is that fits law? It's like, all of that is, is expensive to me because it, I, I do this eight hours a day. So if you can put this closer, if you can make it smaller, it means a lot to me. And the more the design language of an enterprise design system can focus on that, the more the applications are going to be you know, designed in that way. Earlier, you, you, well, not earlier, you've been mentioning it a couple of times. It's about accessibility, right? Um, and I know that's a big um, goal, not just for Clarity, but all the products at VMware um, to be accessible to, you know, anyone, whether it's a temporary or, or permanent, um, you know, impairment. Um, I, I found it very valuable using Clarity with the aspects of accessibility that are baked in. I know not everything's there and a lot of it's dependent on the people developing it or designing it, not so much just the design system, but I, I'd love if you can elaborate a bit more on on what exactly Clarity Design System is, is doing to become more accessible. Yeah, well, um, accessible is, accessibility is really important to us. And, um, what we do is we have embedded accessibility people on the team and everything we do goes through an accessibility vetting process. So the intent, and uh, I say intent with, you know, sort of some emphasis because it's, it's a moving target, but the intent is that uh, everything is 100% accessible. So if you build something with clarity components and you don't create any accessibility errors of your own, your application should be 100% accessible. But, you know, like I said, it's, it's a moving target. You know, things slip through the cracks and it's very easy to develop an application with a bunch of accessible components that still has accessibility problems in it. So it's, it's an ongoing challenge and a really interesting one and a really fulfilling one. It's really great to sort of have your eyes opened to this uh, perspective that, you know, not everyone who uses a computer has the same abilities as, as I have. So they're not just going to grab the mouse and look at the screen. They're going to have a different experience. And trying to solve for that experience is is really gratifying. So the, the Clarity team really cares a lot about it. It's not just a compliance thing where we need to do it because we're, we have to, but uh, we actually get a, a lot of uh, you know, ha happiness out of succeeding with that and helping teams' accessibility scores go up. Colin, do you worry about um, product teams who who come across as use cases where there's no clarity component that can fit that use case? Go ahead and create something which is 
not clarity compliant or not accessible and then what do you advise such uh, product teams well this is a kind of an ongoing challenge for design systems it's kind of one of those 80 20 rule kind of things because you can never make a component that is um, going to fulfill every single thing for every person who may be using it. You're always going to have a team who says either this component doesn't do the thing we need it to do, or the component that we need doesn't exist at all. And in either case, the product teams are, they're going to be on their own because we simply don't have the bandwidth to do product design for those teams and actually solve these these individual problems. And what we would hope that they would do is work really carefully with us. The ideal situation is a, is a contribution model where a team has a problem such as what you're describing and they do the research and design to solve the problem and then they work with us in terms of giving us a lot of information about what they're doing and why they're doing it, take uh, feedback from us regarding what other use cases may exist. And ultimately, when that's successful, it can be contributed to the Clarity t Library and then be used for everybody. But um, that, that in itself is another challenge because product teams often simply need to build what they need to build to get the product uh, to meet a release date. And this, uh, you know, contribution work to the the larger system is more time consuming. So, um, but th that's the ideal kind of way to to look at something like that. Yeah. And we have had several contributions in the past. There there are things in the library that we would not have built necessarily, but the people who needed them designed them in tandem with us. And when the design was complete, we were able to fold it into the library. And that's uh, really the best of both worlds. I I now want to go do that too. <laughs> I have some ideas. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's what we want. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just thinking. Um, we've obviously called out a couple of challenges just with design systems. I don't think it's unique to to VMware at all. Like these are just common issues, right? And another one is adoption, right? Um, I, I came over through an acquisition. I know that that product we're still trying to get <laughs> merged over to the Clarity Design System, um, but it's hard. It's hard to get those things prioritized and stuff. I'm curious, like what other adoption challenges you've seen um, either at VMware or elsewhere um, when it comes to like switching over, making that big leap over to a design system from what someone already has? Yeah. Um... Adoption is a really funny issue with design systems because it really it really cuts both ways. Uh, if you're starting a design system fresh, which is what I did with my previous design system before I came to Clarity, um, adoption is your North Star. You want to design this system and you want to get the products to start using it. And if a product adopts your design system, you pat each other on the back and go out for a beer and we've we've hit a milestone and then another product adopts it and you're starting to get some traction. You're feeling really good that you're providing that value that you want to provide. And, you know, to the extent that you can get adoption all the way across the company, you feel really successful. And then the whole kind of paradigm flips and it's not that you, you don't want adoption anymore, but it's once you have all of this adoption, it makes it 
incredibly complex to change things and to bring teams forward into uh, innovations and changes in the system because uh, they may have, just like we were previously talking about, built custom components that are you know, based on the sensibilities of the system, but not necessarily using the, the primitives of the system, you know, the, uh, the CSS variables and things like that. So then you start to be doing um, e evolution, breaking changes in things, and uh, teams often find that that uh, requires a lot of effort for them. So now you've got a lot of people who've adopted your system and they are, are sort of being, um, they're, they're holding you back from moving as fast as you'd like to. And in, in fact, you're always going to make mistakes when you design that system, that, that first system is you're going to have things where you think, Oh, boy, I wish we hadn't done that. That was, it was not a good decision. We should have done this instead, but you've got all these product teams who've adopted it. And so now the, the friction of, of changing that is much more than you would like it to be ideally. So adoption is, is funny that way. You want everyone to adopt your system. And then once, uh, once they've adopted it, they've, they've kind of got you, you know, caught in this, this place where you, your changes have to be extremely careful and, and incremental to not upset the products. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So I have this story where I had at one point, about 24 applications that we had internally and everybody wanted it to move to Clarity because it was good. But at the same time, it was never prioritized by the product team. And plus, we didn't have a bandwidth to give them Clarity designs based on that, right? So what we did over time was that we waited for a time when it became really necessary, when we started combining smaller tools into a larger platform. That's when we started um, removing the top level pages and then slowly by slowly getting into detailed level pages. In fact, I one of the banks that I deal with, I've noticed that they have moved to the to a new system, but only the first dashboard and a few pages. But if you go to internal pages, you still see that they're there. So I think it's a transition, yeah. which of course comes with a cost. Yeah, we've had to do similar thing as well. Um, because yeah, it's it's hard to get prioritized ultimately when there's new features and customer asks, right? It's not like a customer is like, we need a design system, but um, but it brings so many benefits and value, including accessibility along the way, right? Which um, yes, which is like the best uh, thing that I have been able to use it as like the motive <laughs> to get over to that and FedRAMP compliancy. <laughs> yeah, so I think product teams should be aware of the fact that if they unify themselves with the company product uh, design system, then it always helps in the long run. I have one instance where um, we are broadcasting the health of various VMware products to our consumers. And a lot of these products have really been from companies whom we have acquired and they never wanted to move to Clarity. At one point when we had to show the status page, every level two page looked like the product, but did not look like VMware. And so we had to make that one change because it was the need. So we collectively agreed upon that at least those pages have to be moved to Clarity. So I think it's it's, it's good for product teams or smaller, or smaller teams within the enterprise to realize how important it is to unify themselves towards one design um, language. It's... Uh... It's this ongoing trade-off that we have because we have release cycles, we have customers that are looking for features, we have product managers who are 
talking with salespeople and the salespeople are talking to customers saying, I need this feature and that's, you know, really crucial for me. And there's, there's all of that, you know, pressure to simply uh, deliver very specific values for the end user. And the design system doesn't ever really do that. The design system is kind of the opposite. It's investing in the long term. And so this is the, the trade-off we always have. I think every product team would prefer to invest in the long term and, and make things more flexible and uh, evolve more uh, easily and efficiently. But it's, there's not always a, the time needed to do that in the short term. So it becomes this balancing act between doing a little bit of investment in the future and doing a little bit of the sort of uh, immediately necessary stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. So I know we've talked a lot about all uh, a lot of challenges and I'm very happy that we're having like an open discussion about that because I think I'm sure there's there's articles and podcasts out there, but a lot of times um, these things are touted as perfect and and you know like and that it's going to solve all your problems, but there's a lot of you know things and milestones and barriers to to consider. So I I'm really hoping that the audience can benefit from hearing like some real world scenarios to keep in keep in mind when you're when you're working with design systems it's still worth it though i absolutely love having a design system yeah design systems are are, are a great benefit but it's uh it's easy to look at just the positive of oh it's gonna it's gonna save a bunch of people a bunch of work because they're all gonna have these reusable components and it's gonna make everything consistent and uh you know i like to say I, i'm very famous in in fact for saying in meetings the devil is in the details it's <laughs> um it, all those things are true it does create consistency and it does create efficiencies with reusable components. And you get into all of these things that need to be solved, like we've been talking about today, which is, uh, which is what makes it interesting. I, I, I think if we were to just create a design system and hand it off to products and say, here, this just makes your life easier, just use this, it would not be nearly as an interesting a job as it is to deal with this ongoing evolution of challenges, which is the way it is. It's, yeah. it's, it, things will always keep developing and, and evolving. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to like innovations within Clarity or, or what we have to look for in the future of, of design systems, are there anything top of mind that you want to share? Well, what I've been working on for at least the past year is uh, recasting the design language aspect of it. So if you remember a while ago, we were talking about what made Clarity different and it being primarily a component library. And that is, uh, you know, if you need a button, there's a Clarity button that is is tough. It, it, it fulfills your need for a button. You you can just say in your code CLR dash button and it's it's accessible. It's uh, it's internationalizable, if that's a word. Um, it, it follows the, the the theming. It's got all the, you know, the interaction built in. So it's uh, it's a really useful thing just as a component. But when we look at Clarity, it's a collection of components, not nearly as much a, as a design language. So what I've been working on for the past year is building a, a very solid design language for Clarity that's going to help you do things like theming and like uh, more sophisticated uh, typographic work, including um, 
uh, content strategy in terms of writing for applications, uh, spacing and layout. So really more kind of the design language side of the system that is you know, kind of the underpinning of, of using these components. You say, well, I, I need to create a screen with these components. How do I decide which classes of type to use in which places? How do I decide how to lay these out and what kind of spacing to use? And while we can't do that in a prescriptive way and say you have to do it this way, we can do it in a you know, sort of generalized guidance way that says uh, we, re we recommend with a screen of this type you use these values in terms of spacing and layout and type sizes and things like that. And uh, by following that system and using the, the primitives we have for color and topography and spacing, it also will bring you a lot of uh, theming flexibility. So like we were talking earlier about how enterprise users like a really compact theme. Well, if you use the, the system we've been building for the past, I guess, year and a half, with regard to color and spacing and layout, you can build themes for all those things. You can say, well, I want a high contrast, uh, ultra compact theme. And rather than having to engineer that kind of a, a pixel at a time and a hex value at a time, you can create that theme and have it operate on your application because your application is built on those primitives. So this is what we're trying to do. and. It gets back to the what I said about the uh, adoption being a double-edged sword because we've got a lot of people who've adopted the system that doesn't have that stuff built into it. So now we're incrementally evolving the system to have this uh, more sophisticated and complete design language built into it. And that's simply going to take us some time. But that's that's the thing to look forward to from Clarity. All right. So now that we've talked a lot about like the innovations around design systems, the challenges, all, all of that, um, how does a team get started adopting a design system? It, you know, maybe someone from from VMware, but also I know Clarity is open source. So what's what's probably the best advice you'd give them to start picking these things up and implementing it? Well, it's um, that one is is challenging because it really depends on where the team that wants to adopt Clarity is, and and a lot of that has to do with uh, technology. So, um, one thing, one strategy a team will often do is they will not look at their JavaScript framework, but they will simply look at the CSS and they'll say, "How can we adopt Clarity CSS to style our application to look like Clarity?" So back to the discussion about um, Clarity being a component library, really missing out on all of that, the built-in interaction design, the state management, the um, accessibility, all of that stuff that you get from using a component library, you don't get when you simply adopt the CSS and attempt to give your application the visual styling to make it similar to, to Clarity applications. This is often a first step, then the the following steps really depend on where you are um, tech stack wise. And uh, one of the biggest challenges we have is that uh, applications are built on React and Clarity is built on uh, Angular. So a React application is not simply going to rebuild their entire application in Angular so that they can use Clarity. So at the point that they've adopted the CSS and got the, the visual look, then there's a question of what's next for that. 
Clarity did adopt a strategy of using a rather new technology, which are called uh, web components. And web components are, are framework agnostic in terms of a JavaScript framework. So you could wrap them in an Angular wrapper or a React wrapper and use them uh, aside components in any one of these JavaScript frameworks. And uh, you know, back to the discussion we had about adoption, adoption for that has been very slow because it's a new technology for teams. And it was ultimately meant to solve this issue of how do you move to Clarity if Clarity is on a different JavaScript framework from the one your team is using. So um, it really, the, I, the answer kind of at a more deep level really depends on where the team is. Some teams have moved completely to new technologies. We have an acquisition at VMware who moved completely to the Clarity web components. We have other teams that are on React and they simply do the styling and they don't have the resources to, you know, or perhaps even the, um, desire to move to a different JavaScript framework. So it really depends on, on where the team is kind of from a, a tech stack perspective. Yeah, especially JavaScript, um, unless a team has really taken time to migrate the tech stack to the newer JavaScript, the older JavaScript frameworks would quickly make spaghetti kind of code, which is very difficult to unblock. And I remember we had that situation many years ago in VMware. And so we did exactly what Colin suggested we faked it just through the styling. It's almost like a Pareto principle. 20% of using Clarity, which is the style guide, takes care of 80% of how it looks and feels. And, and then you're right that if you have to really move into a new structure because you want consistency and scaling through complexity, the right thing to do is pick up the a modern tech stack, especially which Clarity supports or any design system supports, and then go with a top-down approach. Start with the framework, the in overall structure of your web portal applications, and then slowly by slowly get into the detailed content level or you know, card level uh, elements. Yeah, the same thing we were talking about previously about your, your short-term needs and investing you know, in the longer term. Investing in the longer term is doesn't give any apparent short-term benefits when you say we have to refactor this entire application to use this design system and it's expensive and frustrating and doesn't deliver any customer value over time it gets you to that place where you want to be but it's it's always that trade-off excellent all right colin um here is my last question for you today though this is this is such a fantastic conversation i wish we could go on and on what would you what advice would you give our audiences who might want to join a design system team or start working on a design system uh, there's a um there's a couple of things i look for when i'm doing uh hiring in terms of uh people who would be a good fit for a design system so you know, the, the basic stuff is there, which is uh, good UX skills, you know, knowing how to do research and put the user first, how to, uh, you know, really focus on, you know, journeys and pain points and, you know, solving the user problem, just kind of good product design UX skills, kind of 101. That's a, a really crucial thing. 
but you know we can assume that that's you know going to be a focus of most people who want to get into design systems um, another thing that is probably not going to be a focus of everyone is having really excellent skills at figma and it's not so much that the design system job is the job of being a, a whiz with figma as much as being really good at figma gets you thinking in the way of the interacting properties and uh, behaviors of a bunch of different components which is really ultimately what being good at design systems comes down to and in fact i will tell pretty much every recruiter i work with that the um attribute that i'm looking for for someone in addition to what i already mentioned which is uh you know, good UX skills and good Figma skills is someone who has some cross-functional systems thinking skills. So I say, you know, if somebody has a master's degree in chemistry, this person has got like the kind of mind that it takes to do that. I have a master's degree. Yeah, I have a master's degree in classical music. So I know about harmony and counterpoint and orchestration and things like that. You might think, oh, well, that what does that have to do with design systems? And it's like, well, actually, it's exactly the same kind of thing. It's a bunch of independent interlocking pieces that uh, contribute to a, to a whole that has a, a consistency to it. And each piece has a logic in and of itself, and yet it's not fully independent from all of the other pieces and that kind of systems thinking, whether it's, you know, speaking five languages or, you know, being a, you know, mathematician or, or a chemist or a classical musician or something like that is really, when I see somebody like that, their portfolio comes along and they're a good visual designer, they're a good UX designer. They've got some Figma skills. I think this person is going to be good at design systems. That's uh it's perhaps a bias I have because of my background, but I know a lot of people I've worked with in the past. I've been in UX for quite a while, so it, it you know since the time when there were not just uh, you know degrees in UX from from schools, and you had to hire people that had the right kind of aptitude. And it's it's those things along with that sort of cross functional system thinking that has been always a recipe for success in all the people I've worked with. And uh, I, I would uh, 100% agree. And I don't know if I'm biased because I came from a development background, but it definitely gives you a right-left balance, brain balance that allows you to go logical and organize these components in a way that's easy for us to, uh, for our users, which is designers to, to consume, right? And excellent how you said that Figma's, uh, I think coming from the days of Photoshop, We've come a long way where Figma is built in a way that it allows us to think in the same organized manner. Colin, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing I did with the new system I was talking about, what you know, when we were talking about what's uh, new for Clarity, is I built an entire Figma library that was just design primitives. So those are type styles, uh, color styles and not just single color styles, but sort of interlocking color styles in terms of uh, like a primary color and a tint and a shade that function as the, um, you know, selected and hover states and things like that. And then that became the uh, dependency for the 
components themselves. So that is just another way of, of thinking in systems. You create this color and topography system. And in fact, there's also a spacing and layout system in there. And then you have the components consume all that. So then they all conform to the sensibilities of this central system rather than having you know, each one have 16 pixels padding built into each one of the things. It's like instead there's some lower level primitive that that's based on. And doing that kind of systems thinking, whether it's doing variance in, in Figma or um, auto layout or properties or any of these things is, is really crucial to understanding kind of what makes a design system work and what makes it effective you know, not only for designers, but for developers. So we get these benefits we've been talking about of reusability and consistency and theming and all of that stuff. It's so great, like hearing from your perspective as someone who's deep in a design system and, and you know, that's your bread and butter for, for however long, right? Well, we're talking, talking about different backgrounds. I come from a theater background. and <laughs> But I, I side note, I always remember my mom telling me the story of like organizing things when I was a child, like putting all of my toys in particular structures and orders. And now that I'm a designer, I look back on that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting that I had like a skill there that I think a lot of designers get driven to become designers or intrigued with it, um, let alone design system designers, right? Because they have this natural draw to keeping things in a in a scalable organiza- organizational structure. I, I get a lot of pleasure out of, out of organizing things and making it work in multiple ways and scaling my efforts, right? Obviously, there's a lot of benefits of design systems, but from a selfish perspective, it's also really nice as a designer um, to, to create one, right? That works for everyone, but yourself primarily. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then now on the other side, um, where I'm, I'm not building the design systems anymore, but I thoroughly appreciate um, having one and, and being able to see it evolve and use it for our own products has been really fascinating. Well, I love to hear about that theater background because it's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it may, perhaps at you know, first analysis, you say, well, what does that have to do with you know, UX, but it's like, well, we talk about user stories and in, in, you know, a good play or movie or, you know, any sort of a narrative, uh, you know, storytelling is, is all about stories. And in fact, it's not a single story. It's not a, a, you know, one person walking across the desert by themselves, at least not usually, it's usually a lot of people and they have interacting stories and the way each one of them behaves and the things they experience affect one another. And so that's a very sort of narrative based uh, systems world that is perfect for looking at design systems and doing product designs. And we were always talking about user journeys. I mean, what is what is a, a play or a film, but a, a user journey? I love your analogy. And I think it's, it's a lot of people working together in harmony. So this, each piece of the system also needs to work in harmony, right? We're all a character in a story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, this has been really amazing, Colin. Thank you so much for the time today to A, get to know you again. It's, I'm just so surprised we've never spoken before, but this has been an absolute pleasure. And it's been really fascinating, deep diving into design systems and specifically the clarity design system and learning more about the, you know, what's going on behind the scenes and how designers can get more involved. Um, from a VMware perspective, but also just 
uh, those outside of VMware, how they can learn more about it, how they can get more involved in their own design system, education, or even uh, adoption. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, looking forward to digging deeper into Clarity as I, as I start designing more and more. <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say something real quick about um, uh, th the fact that we haven't met. Um, it's a, it is a really resource challenge for Clarity to know all the people in the company. And uh, hopefully this can be uh, a sort of impetus for designers to, if they have questions or needs or anything, just find me on Slack and send me a message. I mean, it's like we're, we're here to work with the product teams. And if we're not working with your product team, it's not through intent. It's just, it's purely through, you know, being busy and resources, but uh, you know, the more connected we are with all the product teams, the more effective we are. Yeah. We're really looking forward to having a lot of our friends at VMware listening to this podcast, and we're sure that we are going to build new connections with Clarity Design Team and otherwise. So really looking forward to working with you, Colin. Well, fantastic. Thank you.